Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're listening to the Howdy Hustle podcast with Bronte. On today's How Do You Hustle, we have Rama, who is a model, previous fashion designer, and a co-creative director of a fashion retail business. I have so many things I want to ask you about, but how (laughs) are you today? I'm good. How are you going? I'm good. So I actually recently saw you on Fashion Journal. I absolutely love the Day with FJ series that they do where someone takes over their Instagram each day. And I saw yours and I thought you just seemed like such an interesting person juggling so many different um, things, but basically just killing it. And also I, I just thought that you had some really great values you were sharing on there. So you're the perfect candidate for the show. The show is all about, I guess, inspiring other people who are starting their own ventures and people kind of taking on paths that are not just your typical nine to five, um, which definitely you fit the bill. So (laughs) tell me about what you do at the moment, just for our listeners. Yeah. um, Well, first of all, thank you. Um, A lot of compliments there. Um, (laughs) I currently model in Melbourne. Um, I guess we can't really go anywhere anyway, but um. I model and I also am a co-creative director of a retail fashion business in Melbourne called Era 404. And um, basically what that means is I work with another co-creative director to do all the buying, um, liaison with designers, sort of pick the designers we have. Um, We sell in the space, a lot of online stuff, a lot of promotion, a lot of photo shoots. Um, So it's definitely like a creative bubble. and I get to work with Casey, the owner, and Angelica, yeah, my co-creative director. And then um, on the side of that, I'm creating a business um, which is more to do with skincare, so less fashion. And at the moment, we're just in the formulation stage of that. So it's a lot of meetings here and there, a lot of working, yeah, at the fashion business with the girls. And then it's a lot of just modeling on the side, a lot of fun, creative stuff. Everything sort of, yeah, it does sound like it's everywhere and it, it really is. Um, <laughs> I love that. Though. How did you become a model, basically? Was it something you aspired to or was it something you sort of fell into? And what kind of, I guess, motivates you to do something like that? Because it's quite a um, unique career. I love fashion. So part, I didn't get into modeling because I want to be a model. I think it's very difficult as um, an African Australian because I'm 29 now, like at the beginning, I guess 
of my modeling career, I guess you could say, um, there wasn't that much representation. I feel like now we're slowly getting there. I still think there's a lot um, more work that needs to be done. But when I was starting out, it was definitely, uh, they had one, you know, Sudanese model that fit that sort of bill. And then they had like a more of a commercial black model. And then it was like, that's it. And so for me, modeling was definitely coming through from working with other creatives in my industry, whether it's photographers, stylists that knew me personally and wanted to collaborate and work with me. So I didn't really pursue a modeling career to be a model. It was more working with friends. And I low-key feel like that's the industry I'm in now. Like I'm, I have been signed before and I'm currently signed. Um, um, and I think that concept of an alternative agency works because, you know, big agencies don't really take much of a diverse roster anyway of models. Uh, so I think because times are changing, it's been easier to be in the industry as a model, but I wouldn't say that, oh, and also Instagram, cannot forget Instagram. I think yeah, Instagram is definitely like fast forwarded um, accessibility to creative um, people and models. And I, uh, I feel like that's definitely helped um, but I wouldn't say that I could rely on modeling, which is why I have fingers and pies everywhere. Like, I, I, don't know, I don't know how models do it, like actual models. Like, it's such a draining industry. And every model that I do know that does runway or does, like, you know, editorial, all of them always have such horrific stories about their experiences in the industry. Like, I think from the outside, it looks amazing and I don't want to yeah I don't want to say anything bad but at the same time I think everyone can collectively agree that a lot of change has to happen for it to be a safe space in many ways definitely and it's great that the industry is changing and you're definitely seeing more representation across the board of all different people which needed to happen but do you think it's happened quick enough do you think sometimes it's kind of because brands think they have to yeah, definitely. I think everyone's doing things because they have to, because uh, if that wasn't the case, then there'd be more representation of people on in all fields of fashion. I feel like, unfortunately, uh, just having a model isn't enough and there should be people in um, different areas of fashion um, making choices in terms of, or in, in more creative ways. Like, for instance, like, I'd like to see the demographic of people that work at agencies, for instance, like model agencies, like how diverse they are that are actually booking the models. I'd be really curious to see if people that own agencies, like what the demographic of that would be. Like, I feel like it's definitely a systematic thing and a lot of people that are gatekeepers or that have control of the industry that have a lot of say of the end product, which is the look such model um, that presents for brands. And I think we all feed into it. It's the designers, it's, you know, the photographers, it's the makeup artists, you know, there's a disruption happening in all areas at the moment. And I think the model is the easiest thing is because that's what you see visually, but we don't know what's happening behind closed doors, which I think social media has been a great, avenue to open up those conversations and we're having those discussions which making it seem like it is something that is being discussed and I think you know we are trying collectively mm. but I think there's just a long way to go like I don't think a band-aid solution is to just hire a, a model that's Asian or black or queer or something like I think it needs to be a representative and also there needs to be things in place and higher up positions that actually make the decisions um, and I think people overlook that because again we're in a situation where we just 
are it's very visual like it's just what we see and we just take what we see you know we don't really get to question things unless there's like a huge call out or some big like scandal happens which is you know again rare but I think the conversation is important so we're still heading to that I think it's just a lot of time to grow we need it we need we need to do it anyway so but I think having people like yourself in the industry like you said, having more people at the table will foster that change. And I think, you know, we probably are at the start, but hopefully it's going to happen. Yeah, I, cool. definitely hopeful. Yeah, I can only sort of compare it to, I used to be a journalist in regional television. And I remember thinking as well, because we obviously covered all sorts of stories and lots of really diverse stories out there but Mm. the voices were not very diverse in a lot of instances, not all instances. Mm. And I think it's getting better, but, you know, it's disappointing because, you know, everyone wants to get their information from somewhere and it needs to be a variety of voices providing it. So. Yeah. And I guess, you know, part of that is access. I know I understand, I understand that it's hard when there's no access to people that are diverse or, like avenues to like um, maybe support or um, you know because a lot of people don't know that they could you know just become a model online or like as in through Instagram or or maybe they Mm. do you know Um, but there are other alternative ways of being a model now which I think is beautiful and I think has disrupted a system that thought that they had all the control which is what's happened Um, obviously being signed is still important you know um, in terms of getting good jobs and clients and being taken care of. And, you know, agencies are amazing in that sense. It's just interesting that it's all tied into an industry of a vision of presenting, like you said, like telling a story, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think there are a lot of people that should be able to tell a story or have access to be presented in their community. What is your background? So we moved here when I was one um, from Egypt. So I was born in Cairo. Wow. Uh, and my background is Ethiopian. So I've lived, yeah, I've lived in Australia forever, but I've traveled um, obviously back and forth um, and around the world. But I've been based in Melbourne now for since the pandemic, so like two, three years now. What's your favorite thing about the job? And I guess, has there ever been a you know key moment where you thought, oh, this is why I do this? <laughs> well, I've just been lucky in Melbourne. Like all my friends are creative. Like mm. um, I think. All my friends are like-minded and the people that I meet are very like-minded, like creating, it's nice to have, it's nice to sometimes be like just a blank canvas. I know that's a bit cheesy to say. And then having like seeing someone else's vision, you know, being portrayed through you, like that's quite amazing. Um, I mean, there are times where I look at photos and I'm like, yeah, I don't look good, but you know, the client is happy or the photographer is happy. And I'm like, okay, well, that's my job done. And it's nice to, you know, be able to facilitate that in that way, even though I might not technically like it or understand the vision, but it's nice being able to create in that way. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's a lot of creativity behind it as well. A lot of a lot of meaning, a lot of, you know, work as well. Like there's a lot of work that goes behind stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. So. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. 
From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Moving on to, I guess, <laughs> what brought you into modeling, you said, was fashion. And I I noticed from your Instagram um, that when you were at uni, you had a pretty successful fashion venture um, and you were being featured in a lot of publications and things like that. So walk me through that. And I guess, where did that end up taking you? Yeah. Well, so yeah, love fashion. Went to, I didn't study fashion design because I didn't think it was important at the time, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, I like I struggle at school like just like I know I love learning but I feel like applying myself I just feel like the whole way of doing it just doesn't work for me so I found that maybe studying business or fashion would be a bit more smarter than like learning how to create fashion because I knew that I would the type of fashion I would wanted to create I'd have to outsource in terms of working with artisans which I later did Um, so understanding that in the back end was more important to me than actually learning how to create and stuff so like I studied fashion textiles and merchandising but it's funny my course doesn't actually exist anymore I think they have made it into a business more of a business course but when I was studying it it was a bachelor of applied science at RMIT and um, I I remember during those years there was a lot of change happening like our course was changing every year like the subjects were changing because the industry was changing, you know, there was Zara coming to Australia. Um, a lot of fast fashion things were way more on the scene. Being ethical was not a trend at all. Understanding like um, the ethics in terms of like, even like the language of organic or like um, environmental anything was just not 
a conversation it was more definitely fast fashion focused and buying and like for instance we were studying things that were like talking about omni channels and the internet and uh how we were going to sell clothes um to a customer in terms of like to say uh, virtual change rooms for instance was wow. like a, the talk like is that where we're going and that was where it was during that time I, I think I was, it was around 2012 2013-14 was when I was studying so yeah during that time that's what I remember it being a focus on it was just fast fashion and like the internet and how to sell to customers online in that way um so when I so my last, my thesis when I, when I graduated or before I graduated was based on ethical fashion in Australia, because there weren't really any places to do that here. I feel like manufacturing was all offshore and that was the focus, you know, like China was everything. Um, and for me, I was like, you know, we, Australia is such a, um, it's such a country that has so many natural resources, sort of similar to Ethiopia in the sense that we don't have to outsource much, we, you know, in terms of food, we have our own agricultural system, you know, the cotton, everything we grow here is very rich, but we haven't really invested in that here. It's all offshore. And for me, being made here was really important. Um, but I understood that while writing my thesis that that wasn't something viable. <laughs> um, so then I started looking inward in terms of uh, like who I am in this place and my identity in Australia and being African. Long story short, I basically figured out after school that I needed another experience outside of Melbourne or Australia to understand like fashion on a world stage because I felt like um, studying here was great, obviously, but at that time, um, globalization was a huge thing. And I thought maybe getting an internship overseas, which is what people do when they finish. I was like, yep, maybe I should just do that. So I went to London and was like, wanted to get an internship somewhere and learn the ropes. And then so I discovered that that wasn't going to be the case because I had to survive because <laughs> mm -hmm. London is hard. And then six months in, didn't like the lifestyle I was living. So I decided to live with my parents in Ethiopia, which is when my dad started introducing me to like factories and like artisans and I started developing textiles which then led me to like love the concept of just slow fashion and not doing things seasonally like being more conscious of what I'm creating and um, putting more time and effort into the design process so once I started doing that it took me like a like almost a year to really find um what I was looking for in terms of artisans and having an ethical like sustainable um I guess, um, business going and learning the ropes myself with a bunch of locals, which was really beautiful experience because I was also connected to my family and inspired by my surroundings, which is a whole nother world compared to here. Um, and it's been a privilege being able to like do that as well. And so I guess my creativity in the design sense was that, and I started getting stocked in places and getting opportunities um, to do a lot of creative stuff. And yeah, like it was quite successful. But the thing is, you know, you, the business gets to a point where it's like, do I then monetize and sell out a little bit? Because, mm. you know, I think a lot of designers get to the stage where they're like, okay, if I'm going to get bigger, if I'm going to do something, I need to cut corners. And I just refuse to do that throughout the whole time. And unfortunately, I just feel like the way I was creating just didn't fit the world we were in. Um, and I don't think you know, I'd be very shocked to hear a business that's fully sustainable, you know, or ethical.
because there's just no way of running a business and creating and being able to do that. Like if there is any businesses out there, I would love to know how, you know, same. (laughs) Um, Like, please tell me like if I'm wrong, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I just, unfortunately with my personal experience and with the way I wanted to do things, you know, ethically and sustainably and environmentally friendly, like it's just fashion is not that. And I think, I didn't want to compromise my creative process and the people I was working with and the business that I was trying to build to do it. So um, it's sad, but I love fashion, yeah. you know, but I think, you know, two things can be okay. Like two things can be right. Like you can love something and it still be, you know, not right. I just think, you know, it's become such buzz to be ethical or sustainable, but it's like, what is that, you know? And yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of the time it's really hard to really trust where the things are. So um, I didn't want to create a business saying that I was all that and doing that, even though that was my intention when I knew I couldn't fulfill it. And so it got to a point where I was like, I need to make a choice. Maybe, maybe in the future, you know, I can come back to this and this could be a project. It wasn't like I was going to quit it. But again, especially with the pandemic, you know, like I was developing everything in Ethiopia and, you know, it made me really go inward and think like, that's another aspect of you know, being ethical, sustainable, all of that, you know, there's a pandemic going, um, do I need to be in Ethiopia developing textiles right now to sell? I don't think so, you know, like, um, even though that is like something that I love doing and, you know, it is great to have that. I just think sometimes you have to reassess what you're doing. Yeah, I get that. And I think that's, you know, really admirable that you didn't sacrifice on the on your ethics and on the sustainability side and I don't know there's a lot of again a lot of work to be done in that space um <laughs> there is but it's yeah. you know like but it's you know fa- fashion like the world like is that you know like we've all we're all part it's it's hard to live in a world right now and not be hypocritical in some ways Definitely. like whether we try we're trying you know and you just got to do yeah. your bit like there are ways of doing it but I think you know I also didn't have much money so yeah. every bit of money that I was getting, you know, was going back into the business and to survive. And um, maybe if I was, you know, it came from some sort of privilege and could facilitate more of a resource or be more ethical in other ways, then that maybe I'd be able to do it. But it just didn't make sense to do it and then be suffering and then also not be creating the way I want to, you know, and then also trying to monetize. And it was just a lot. So you've obviously kind of compromised in some way because now you're doing (laughs) some creative work for another fashion store. So Mm. how do you find doing that work? Well, it's interesting because the same things that I've been battling for my own brand and business, I see designers going through it now, you know? Mm. Um, And so a lot of the designers we stock are locally made, which is great, um, in either Australia or New Zealand. Um, We are looking at other labels that do similar things in their own native countries around the world. But uh, we definitely do have the ethical, sustainable, you know, we want to make sure that we're investing back into the country um, in some way and also, you know, utilising like the creativity that we have in Melbourne. Because I think during lockdown, you know, we realised that there is so much going on here. We just don't have avenues. So having a shop like Era has been great because there is a, ha- a house for um, designers that are, have just graduated or have just started their label. Um, and I think online shopping is great, obviously, but having a store, there's something about having a store that still brings people in and having that 
relationship or that, I guess, experience in stores will always be um, something that people want. And so being able to have that in Melbourne has been great. And um, even though, yeah, being ethical is difficult, I think now there are ways of going around it, you know, and I think there's more of a community here of designers working together and it's nice to see that. So I think like moving forward, there will be better ways of doing things. I think the way I was doing it was probably just a bit hard and like ages ago as well. So so tell me about your own little personal venture that you're also working on as well as all the other things. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to create sunscreen and then realized quickly how hard that is because the type of sunscreen I want to make is for uh, everyone and um, more of a zinc base. And again, wanting to fit the criteria of, you know, modern society, which is, you know, making sure that it's, you know, um, animal cruelty is not a thing, you know, like it's vegan, um, all the, all the ingredients that, you know, are in most products aren't in this one, like making sure that it's suitable for dark-skinned people, black people, people of color, as well as white people, you know, just making sure you're ticking all the boxes to be inclusive, to make sure that you are being ethical. Yeah, it's challenging in the sense that um, it takes a lot of time. And so at the beginning, I wanted to make more um, Sun Smart products because I think we don't have enough information in regards to that, and it's really important. And I think, you know, the beauty industry is, that's a whole other industry conversation, um, yes. but it's changing as well um, in the same pace as fashion. And I think, unfortunately, we've been told as people of color and as black people uh, that we don't need sunscreen when really it's not the case. And so I think for me, it was more of an initiative to create something that meant a lot for me, um, but also it was to communicate that, um, you know, beauty products are great, but we don't need another beauty product. Like I feel like if it's something that's constructive, like sunscreen, then it's worth diving into. So currently, uh, that's what I'm trying to build and create. I'm also creating a deodorant because the other issue that we I have as a black woman is that I just don't find deodorants that work for me, but also don't leave marks on my skin. So it's something that's, again, relative to um, something you need, and but also something that I find that the market just doesn't have or if it does have, then I don't know about it and none of my friends know about it. So if, if my friends don't know about it and I don't know about it, then there's an issue, you know, because we can buy everything and anything right now, like in the Western world. Exactly. So that's my little project. And it's been like, it's been interesting, but it's great working in Australia, I guess, because we do have a lot of regulations and there are a lot of amazing like um, resources that you can find to get what you need. But the time is time consuming because I think I'm a bit of a perfectionist and if I'm going to make something like this then it has to be you know good I'm not going to just slap my you know name on something so I, I studied a bit of formulations just to understand the concept of creating fa- um, like product because you know I just feel like there should be something like this that exists but it doesn't for me anyway uh-huh. and I find that really difficult I, I find that interesting because you know uh, it's not rock like I'm not you know, I'm not recreating a wheel, like sunscreen has existed for years and years and centuries. Like, I just feel like it's interesting that now like the conversation has been brought up and the beauty industry is a bit more open-minded to diverse, you know, makeup or like sun products for people of color. But again, I guess it's that conversation being open up about diversity and people's needs and stuff. So it's interesting. 
No, that's amazing. So what's it called and when do you think it will be available? It's called Rough Skin. Uh, that's the brand's name. I called it that because I thought it was an oxy, like an oxymoron, I guess, because everyone wants like clear, nice skin. But <laughs> I think rough is, um, yeah, it just gives you a bit of like a, what? <laughs> I like it. What? Yeah, I, yeah, I like that too. I, I just thought it'd be different. So it's called that. And when it'll be available, well, I'm in like, I'm trialing a lot of things. So like, uh, hopefully when things get right, because again, I feel like the things that I'm trying to create don't really exist at the moment. Mm. And so it just means that the process of creating the formula and making the product perfect is important to me because I, you know, everyone says if you market something, then it will work. And that's fair because we live in the world like that. But I genuinely don't want to put my name to something and claim, again, with like my fashion label. I don't want to say that I'm doing this and not do it right. And it might take a lot of time, but I'm dedicated to seeing it through. So yeah, I'm hoping it'll be in the near future. Well, thank you, Rama, for joining the show today. It's been a really insightful conversation and I feel like I could actually talk to you all day about all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Thank um, you. I think also like it's important to be able to have these conversations and like bounce off ideas and like, Definitely. Yeah. If people want to follow you or what you're working on, where can they find you or how can they touch base? No, well, my label um, doesn't have it. We have the handle, but there's nothing there, Rough Skin, uh, yet. Um, but uh, you can follow my personal Instagram, which is Rams, R-A-H-M-S, M-O-H-A-M-E-D, sorry, Rams Muhammad. Um, and, or you could email me if you have any in- questions about um the business or anything like that um at info at roughskin.com.au awesome thanks so much for being on the show thank you for having me it's been great the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation Botox Cosmetic, Atabotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eye and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.